Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. It's great to be with, with you in God's house to, together, and it's beautiful outside, isn't it? Can we hope that spring has finally arrived and, and will stay? I hope so. It's good to share this time with you. We welcome everyone here. We welcome our guests especially. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here today and hope that God will bless in a very special way. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill those out for us. We, uh, if, you wouldn't do, if you would do that, we, uh, we would certainly appreciate that. Also, uh, a few announcements that uh, I'd like to bring to your attention today. First of all, all of those meetings that you have there on, uh, on your bulletin for today, Strike them out. It's too pretty. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to have any meetings today. So, <laughs> uh, but we do have some things that are that are important coming up. And uh, the first of all, on uh, April the thirtieth, um, which is a week from Saturday, I believe, uh, we will be serving lunch at the Salvation Army. And so, if you would like to help volunteer for that, please see Christine. Cornelius, and uh, she'll get you signed up for that. That's an important ministry that we have here at Community Baptist Church. Also, on May the 1st, uh, that's May Day, we're going to have a May Day celebration here at the church. We're going to have a potluck lunch, 
and, uh, and we'll be providing all the meat. If you wouldn't mind bringing something else, if you can. If you can't, that's okay, too. We always have plenty. And uh, just come and enjoy the time together. We're just going to have this just because it's a beautiful spring day, and we're going to have fun. Uh, also, next week, uh, I will not be pre- I will be here, but I will not be preaching next week. Uh, Karen Thomas Smith will be preaching uh, next Sunday. Karen is the chaplain of the ecumenical community and the pastor of the Protestant Church in Morocco, in Ephraim, Morocco. Uh, she is a wonderful person, a wonderful preacher, and a good friend, and uh, you will be blessed with your presence here to hear her uh, bring the Word of God next week. Also, just one more thing before we uh, uh, have our time of, um, of greeting one another, a little picture of uh, something I did yesterday at the... Uh, uh, do we have that? No, we don't have that. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Technical difficulties. So uh, let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. We've gathered in the name of the Lord, and so let's uh, stand if you're able and share the love of Christ with one another. Remain standing and sing our hymn of gathering. 134.
We'd like to welcome um, our guest pianist today, Marianne Blackwell. We're, there she is. Thank you. Uh, Jika's, Jika's going to be out for a couple of weeks, and we're grateful for your, your uh, ministry to us today. Thank you so much. Our uh, Today's prayer is a poem that I found. It was written by Deborah Ann Belka. Our, our theme for today is that God will wipe away every tear. And so hear this poem as our pastoral prayer for the morning. Lord, I cannot find the words to express to you my fears. All I have to offer you are the bounty of my tears. Upon each and every droplet falling down to you like rain are all my worldly hurts, the reasons for my pain. Drop by drop, they reflect the words that cannot flow from a heart that's been broken by every piercing blow. Lord, sometimes when I cry, bear my prayers just in tears as I weep for the day when you will wipe away my fears. O oh God, be with us in our times of fear and tribulation. Make us strong in you, for you are always with us. Amen.
have children. Mr. Terry's got his guitar today. So I guess, they, I guess he's going to play us a song. I don't bite. I don't get an opportunity to do this as much as I used to. And there are more of you. Oh, my gracious. No. Never. Never. No. You can find a seat. Yeah, there's a seat. There's a seat right there. Come on. I'm, I'm kind of here today to kind of talk to you about, you know, I know you don't know me. My name's Terry. I kind of hang out here every once in a while. (laughs) I've got a bunch of friends, and I come out here to find God. This is one good place for me to just kind of look for Him and everything. I got Tim. I can talk to him about God. I got Mark and Nora and Brother Tim. There's just a bunch of people here that I really, really count on to help me. I see God in all kinds of places like babies. That's just a miracle. That means to me that there's a promise that the world's going to keep going. You guys are going to keep it going. The rest of it would be, I see all kinds of things out, you know, puppies and things like that. That just shows me God. There it is. Does anybody know what that is? That's a rainbow. Now, scientists will tell you that that is light going through raindrops at a particular angle. I had a Sunday school teacher that told me that that was God's promise to Noah that he was going to be with him to the end of the earth, that he was not alone. And uh, that just, I kind of liked her her version of it a little bit better. I, uh, I tend to think that God really looks at us as to how we treat each other, as to how deeply we can love Him. Because, I mean, you know, looking at it from His view... If we don't treat each other nice, how can we even think about loving Him, you know? So I'm going to hide behind this thing for a little bit because I'm running out of things to say. <laughs> it just makes it easier. I wrote this thing after reading the newspaper a few times about a big tsunami that wiped away a whole lot of things. It was a big wave that came up and put water where it hadn't been water in a long time. There were people from all over the world that actually showed up to help these people. Russia, Japan, United States, I think even Spain sent some people. That was just for God to be able to put that many people together to do something good. That really meant a lot to me. I could see God in that. Then I saw this thing about Joplin, Missouri, where this big tornado went right straight through the middle of the place, you know. 
And whenever they got there, when the, when the government came to help them out, they was already cleaning up. They was already helping each other. I thought, wow. Whenever the news asked them, you know, how, about it and everything, the, the thing that they said was they thanked God because everybody survived. I thought that was kind of neat. So I sat down and I wrote this little bit. An earthquake in the ocean made a giant wave crashed into the shoreline washed everything away people came from all around to do just what they could people of all nations they never wondered if they should Came a great tornado, one of Earth's great mysteries. Tore up a big old city, houses, buildings, and trees. They praised God for the blessings, the ones who survived. Didn't try to blame him, they felt that he stood by their side. I'm looking for a rainbow. Need to know he's still there Sign he's still watching Need to know that he still cares We are all hands of God The way he reaches down from above I'm looking for a rainbow So you'll know God's love Noah stood there silent, water all around, off on the horizon, a glimpse of hope he found, made of many colors, a sign that the worst had passed, God's majestic presence, it would be there to last. Now our world is often troubled, seems like sometime near the end. How much more can it take? Is there no way to defend? God is always with us, you just look and there he'll be. He's in every hand that's willing, in every sprouting seed. I'm looking for a rainbow Just to ease my mind He's the hope of all who seek Him The help of all who find We are all hands of God The way He reaches down from above I'm looking for a rainbow So you know God's love Keep looking for a rainbow so you know God's love.
Dear Lord, thank you for your presence and thank you for the promise of the peace that can come from showing your love to everybody else. Thank you so much. Our scripture reading comes this morning from Revelation, the seventh chapter, verses 9 through 17. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count on, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Robed in white with palm branches in their hands, they cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated at the throne, on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. But that's not all. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white? And where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are, the, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's stand and sing our offertory hymn. In loving kindness, Jesus came. Page 542.
morning. Pray with me, please. Lord, we offer these gifts to you with grateful hearts. Help us to not only live by your light, but to share it with those who are in the darkness. Your word is true, and your promise never fails. May God wipe away every tear from our eyes now and evermore. What a blessing to know what lies ahead of us if we remain faithful to the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Thank you. Pastor Benton Lutz once told about one, uh, the one sermon that he remembers the most, which is amazing to me because I can't remember what I preached on last week. Uh, but, but the pastor who preached this sermon described an experience that he had in the shower. Uh, the, the preacher said that he was in the shower, the water was running, he was already wet, and he suddenly realized that he had forgotten his shampoo. I'll get it for you, said a small voice from the other side of the curtain. And then after a moment, that same voice, that same small voice said, Daddy, I'm bringing you no more tears. And her hand reached in with the no more tears baby shampoo. Well, the preacher went on to say that no one, least of all those who we love and those who love us, can promise us no more tears. He said it is a condition of love that tears will flow. 
And you know he's right, isn't he? No one except for God can promise us no more tears. Sometimes even our closest friends and our loved ones can't console us when we are hurting. There are some hurts that, are, that only God can heal. There are some, some burdens that only God can lift. There are some fears that only God can put to rest. And so it is with, with great joy that we read our lesson for today from the book of Revelation. When John tells us that God will wipe every tear from their eyes. During these weeks of, since Easter, we have been looking at ways that we can find new life in Christ. On Easter Sunday, we remembered how God raised Christ from the dead and what that means for our lives. And then the week after that, we saw the grace of Christ at work in the life of Simon Peter. And we were reminded that just because we have failed does not mean that Christ can't still use us to be a blessing for others. Then last week we talked about Jesus' command to love one another and how that makes such a difference in our lives and in, in the lives of others. And then today we want to refresh our hearts with one of the most beautiful sentences in all of literature. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. But I want you to notice something that may disturb you a little bit. Because you see, in Revelation, this promise is not made to everyone. This is not a sweeping promise of Christ to all of humanity. I wish it were, but it's not. Our passage tells us that this intimate act of love is being offered to a very specific group of believers. And those are the ones who have come through the great tribulation. These are the ones... These are the ones whose robes have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And now these who have suffered so much, who have endured untold persecution and even martyred, now they are dressed all in white before the throne of God. And God is personally wiping every tear from their eyes. The book of Revelation was written around the time when the cruel emperor Domitian was reigning over the Roman Empire. And Revelation almost exclusively uses symbolic and apocalyptic language. Now one reason that John uses this kind of language was that the message of Revelation could be construed as subversive to the Roman government. And so John wrote in code so that the message could be hidden and the Roman government would not understand what he was saying. But the imagery of Revelation is beautiful and remarkable. In today's lesson, John had a vision in which he sees a, a great multitude of people that no one could count from every nation and every tribe and every people group and every language. And they're standing before the throne of God clothed in white with palm branches in their hands. These are the people who have been through an unprecedented time of suffering. But here in this ver in verse 9, they are standing in complete triumph. 
That's what the palm branches signify. Remember Jesus' triumphal entry we talked about a few weeks ago when He came into Jerusalem with a multitude of people waving their palm branches and hailing Him as their Messiah. Palm branches are a symbol of, of triumph and victory. And then one of the elders asked John who these people were. And when John indicated that he didn't know, the, the elder explained that these were those who had endured the Great Tribulation. Now we need to remember that the first century church, it was not a fun time to be the church. The first century church faced terrible persecution. Their leaders were martyred, burned at the stake, beheaded, fed to the lions, crucified, drawn and quartered, mutilated, imprisoned, exiled. It was a hard time for the church. It's amazing that the church survived all of that time. So this passage was written as a way to comfort those first century Christians. The symbolism that they had washed their robes and the blood of the Lamb indicated that they had suffered greatly. But now they are a part of this victorious multitude that surrounds the throne of God because of their faithfulness and because of the sacrifice that they had made for God. And here is something that is important for us to remember today. Sacrifice is an important part of what it means to be a Christian. Sacrifice is an important part of what it means to be a Christian. And I think that, that if we took the cross more seriously, we would understand that that is true. Sometimes we don't like to talk about sacrifice. We like for things to be easy. But sacrifice is a part of what God intends for us. That's why Jesus said that anyone who would be my disciple must take up his cross and follow me. And we need to take the cross seriously. I mean, think about how much Jesus suffered for us. I love the way Max Lucado talks about Jesus' agony in the, in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. It's very graphic. He says, see that person? See that solitary figure? That he, that, what's he doing? Flat on the ground, face stained with dirt and tears, fists paint, uh, pounding the earth, eyes wide with stupor of fear, hair matted with salty sweat. Is, is that blood on his forehead? That's Jesus. Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then he said, maybe you've seen the portrait of Christ in the garden, kneeling beside a big rock, snow-white robe, hands peacefully folded in prayer, a look of serenity on his face, a spotlight from heaven illuminating his golden-brown hair. And Lucado says, now I'm no artist, but I can tell you one thing. The man who painted that picture did not use the Gospel of Mark as his inspiration. Because when Mark wrote about that painful night, he used phrases like horror and dismay came upon him. My heart is ready to break with grief. He threw himself on the ground. 
In Mark's gospel, we see an agonizing, straining, struggling Jesus. We see a man of sorrows. We see a man struggling with fear and wrestling with commitments and yearning for relief. We see Jesus in a fog of a broken heart. Man, that's life at its rawest, isn't it? And sacrifice at its fullest. And think about this. If the Son of God can cry tears of pain and and agony like that, then why do we think we are exempt from that same kind of suffering? We are not. You see, sacrifice and suffering are a part of what it means to be a Christian. Indeed, it's a part of what it means to be a human being. Every human being goes through difficult times in their lives. Every human being suffers greatly at some point in their lives. It is a part of who we are. And that brings us to the second thing that we need to see today. And that is that the promises of Christ are for those who carried the cross, His cross. You know, it's important for us to understand this. In Revelation, God's promises are to a very special group of people. It is, these promises are to those who have totally committed themselves to Christ's service. And you know, we talk a lot about following Jesus We talk a lot about following Jesus. We sing about following Jesus. But what that means is that we, when we say that we're going to follow Jesus, it means that we are committing ourselves to a life of service. And sometimes that comes at great cost. Stanley Mooneyham tells about a conference that took place many years ago about uh, the conference was on the subject of the plight of the Jews in the Soviet Union. And Simon Wiesenthal, the director of the the Jewish uh, Documentation Center, and and he was famous for uh, locating and bringing to justice so many Nazi war criminals, he was at that conference. And Wiesenthal reported that a a Jewish participant at the conference called his hotel room at 2 o'clock in the morning, and so Simon demanded, why are you calling me at this hour? And the caller responded, because you were asleep. My friends, there are too many of us who are sleeping our way through our Christian lives. We are casual members of the church. We are casual citizens of our country. When it comes to our faith, every day is a casual Friday. Take up the cross? What does that mean? I put a few dollars in the offering plate on those Sundays that I make it to church, and I'm a law-abiding citizen. What more do you want from me? Well, listen to this, folks. Christ is asking a lot more from you. He is calling on each and every one of us to live a life of service. He is calling on us to make a difference in someone else's life. He is calling us on us to to take a stand, to make a witness in our homes, in our our personal relationships, on our job, at school, in our civic and political affairs. And there is no middle ground here. 
It is a matter of personal integrity. It's a matter of saying yes to Jesus. Of making a personal commitment of our life to Him. Duncan Littlefair tells about a a little-known book by H.G. Wells called The, The Croquet Player. Significantly, it came out in 1938 while the the Western nations were just passively watching Hitler expand his power. But towards the end of the novel, a psychiatrist is explaining a case of strange behavior to a young man. And the psychiatrist says, some sensitive people try to run away from reality. But the facts must be faced And one of these facts is that people are essentially the same fearing, snarling, fighting cavemen that they were hundreds of thousands of years ago. And so the young man asked what what needs to be done, and the psychiatrist said that, that those who care for civilization must become giants who will make an effort to to build a stronger, harder, more disciplined society. And while all the while that he's explaining this, this, this young man just keeps backing away. And the young man feels nervous. He feels frightened about all of this talk. And then finally, he, he says that he realizes that the world is going to pieces, but he asks, what can somebody like me do about it? Become a giant and build a new civilization? Him? And then he says that he's sorry, but he has other engagements. He's scheduled to play croquet with his aunt at 1230. Now, I hope I don't sound too judgmental when I say that many of us are playing croquet while God has called us to play the part of moral and spiritual giants. I think Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said it best. When he said, when you go out of here and help the sick, and when you go out of here to deal with the brokenhearted, and when you go out of here to help the poor, it isn't easy. It means suffering and sacrifice. But God wants a church that will bear the cross. He said, too many Christians are wearing the cross, and not enough are bearing the cross. The cross is something you die on. It, means, it may mean the death of your prestige. It may mean the death of your popularity. It may mean the death of your budget. But there are too many churches that are more concerned with a cushion in the pew than they are about the cross. More concerned about making the gospel something easy. Retranslating the gospel to read, Go ye, go ye into all the world and keep your blood pressure down. And lo, I will make you well-adjusted personalities. That isn't God, he said. Don't forget that Bethlehem is just 18 miles from Calvary. And you have to go by Calvary. Peter Marshall, the former chaplain of the U.S. Senate and one of the greatest preachers from the last century, once said that God has equipped us to go deep sea diving, but instead we are satisfied to wade in our bathtubs. So sacrifice is an important part of what it means to be a Christian. So can we claim the promises of Christ if we don't carry the cross? Now we're not talking about our salvation here. At least I don't think we are. But what we're talking about is following Jesus. It's about being all that God has called us to be. 
And I'm trying to be faithful to the text here. I could do some creative exegesis and make this a lot more palatable. But the text is very clear that this promise that God will wipe every tear is for those who have come through the great tribulation. And it's for those who have persevered in bearing witness to Christ, sometimes at a very terrible price. And I think that what this says to us is that every act of service that you perform in Christ's name will one day be rewarded. You know, there are a lot of good people who love Jesus, and there are a lot of good people who serve Christ, and they serve their communities, and they seek to be good neighbors and good people, and they seek to reach out to help those who are unable to help themselves. And yet, they find that their lives are very hard. Does anybody care? Well, yes. Somebody does care. God cares. God cares. So let me assure you, That if you are seeking to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ, then God is aware of your every situation. You may not sense God's presence right now. Sometimes we hurt so badly that it's hard to to recognize the presence of God. I suspect that's what Jesus was feeling in the garden when he was calling out to God. And I'm sure that's what he felt on the cross when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sometimes it's hard to feel God's presence. But one day, listen to this, folks. One day, as hard as your life may be, you will experience the love of the Father in the only way, in in a way that only a child of God can experience that love. Things may be dark in our lives right now. Situations may overwhelm us. ISIS may threaten the Middle East. Boko Haram may threaten to destroy Nigeria. But none of them will triumph over God's people. For you see, the same God who wiped the tears from the eyes of His Son is also aware of our pain and our need. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Notice how personal and intimate that word picture is. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's kind of like a mother holding her child in her arms, giving comfort. Does that sound too sentimental for you? Well, if it does, blame it on Jesus. I mean, after all, wasn't it Jesus who taught us to pray Saying, Abba, Daddy. That's what the word means. For all His power and majesty and might. For all His glory and strength. The God of the Bible has the tender heart of the most loving mother or father in the world. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Peter van Ingwagen 
writing on the problem of suffering, says, I have never had the tendency to react to the evils of the world by saying, how could there be a loving God who allows these things to happen? Instead, he said, my immediate emotional reaction has been, there must be a God who will wipe away every tear. There must be a God who will give justice. And I think that's the best way to look at it. God's very intimate love in this passage is being expressed to a very special group of believers. Those who have come through a great tribulation. And this should remind us that sacrifice is an important part of what it means to be a Christian, a person. And it should also remind us that the promises of Christ are for those who have carried the cross. And every act of service performed in the name of Jesus will one day be rewarded. So the question today is this. Are you one of his followers? That's what he wants. He wants us to be a follower, not just an admirer. He wants us to be a follower. Are you one of his followers? Then hear this good news. One day, the God of All of creation will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And pain, mourning, suffering, death will be no more. Amen. We're going to sing our closing hymn, number 320. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. These may be tear-stained eyes. These may be tears, eyes that are streaming with tears because of the suffering that we have faced in our lives. But you know what? This is exactly what God has called on us to do, is to turn those eyes to Jesus because it is in Christ that we can find our comfort. Maybe that's what you need today. Let us think about that and pray about that as we sing our closing hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.